we are continuing with our series called Visitations When God Responds. I remember, I'm going to ask um, Calvin and Musa to just come and stand up here. They're going to share some testimonies in a moment. But I, I remember the first time I kind of felt, felt God with me. It, was, it wasn't that angels and trumpets arrived. I didn't have this uh, Jesus manifested in front of me. I was walking along to school. I was late as usual. I, I, was, I, was, I had been given the responsibility at school of marking people who came late to school. I, I stood at the gate and marked people who came late. This meant to me, I lived within walking distance of the school, this meant to me that there was no one to say whether I was going to be late or not. So regularly I was late for school. I'm so sorry, this is not the way to live. But I did nonetheless. I was walking on the way to school and as I was walking along um, to school, I, I had this sensation of just the, it's almost like the air changed around me. It wasn't, I couldn't see anything different, but it felt like I, that God was with me. It's like every, all, all my thinking, all my thoughts that were rushing through my mind, will I get away with being late, just were suspended in a moment. And I felt his presence. And it's not, I, d I didn't hear an audible voice, but it was so clear to me. It was so clear to me. I felt in my heart him say, there is something I want you to do for me. And then it was over. But that moment marked my life forever. It put me on a quest where I was opening my eyes. I was looking for what, did, what was this thing that God had for me. Of course, he led me into it gradually. Part of it was meeting Andrew, being introduced to this church movement. Well, finding Jesus first. <laughs> being introduced to this church movement. Being equipped and trained for ministry. And as I, as I moved into ministry, I felt, you know, I felt that same feeling as when I had walked to school just of, this is my destiny. This is what I'm called to. And this is the power of, of God interacting with us, that he leads us into the things we are called to, into the fulfillment of our lives being used in a way that glorifies him. So I would love um, two of our leaders. Kelvin, as you know, heads up our youth. And um, from next year, he will be our um, next generation pastor. Next generation pastor. There he is. <laughs> so before you go, yes. um, Musa at the moment heads up uh, our Monash ministry on campus and is our discipleship pastor here in the main church. So she will be sharing right after that. Awesome. Over to you, Kelvin. Good morning, family. Um, so when Pascal asked me to share, there's a, a lot of things that came to mind. And I had to pick one, one specific one. And one that really stood out for me was... Uh, Three years ago now, 2016, I uh, was still living in Cape Town. Uh, I was serving at Every Nation in One City. I'd been serving there since 2005, so it's a long time. And 2016 was a tough year for me um, because I felt demotivated, and I felt like this is not for me anymore. You know, I've been putting years and years and years, and it just felt like my time had come to an end with youth ministry. Um, and in, in fact, it came to a point where it, where it felt like it was ministry in general. It was like, I'm done with this. Uh, I just want to sit there and just do nothing. Um, I'd been involved in a, in a few other ministries as well, worship ministry and those kind of things. Um, and it even came to a point where uh, I got so frustrated that it was a point of, I think I'm going to leave this church. Oh. That's, that's how it, what it got to. Um, yes, <laughs> sorry to say that. But that's how it felt. It was, just, it was just a difficult time for us. 
um, as a family. Um, and, and then what actually happened is late 2016, I got a call. Uh, I won't mention from who, but she's standing next to me. Um, and uh, I got a call and asked, Pascal asked me just to meet with her and talk about possibly coming here and leading, heading up youth. And I was like, I'm never going to move to Joburg. It's not going to happen. I love Cape Town too much. The beach is lovely. Um, <laughs> Got here, we had a chat with uh, myself and Ilza, and when we left that meeting, it was still like, no, it's not happening, it's not happening, it's not happening. But in, and you know with Pascal, she always gives you a deadline. She's like, by the end of January, I need to know. I need to know, not just let me know, I need to know. Uh, and probably around the 25th of Jan, uh, similar to what Pascal just said, it wasn't an audible voice, but myself and Ilza were praying separately as well as together, and we both on the same day kind of felt the same thing. Uh, God just said, go. He said, go. I will take care of everything. Because, you know, in the back of your head, you're thinking, it's a young family. I need to find a place to stay. You know, all of these things were running through my mind. And he just said, go, and I will make a way. And the moral of the story is, since then, we're here. And um, a few months later, we moved. And, yeah, we haven't lacked anything. God has provided everything for us. So. And you love ministry. And I love ministry now, Yes. Don't forget that part. <laughs> so great, Calvin. Thank you. Morning, church. So I, similar to Calvin, had so many things popping up in my mind. So just trusting for something specific that would speak to you guys today. So I trust that this is it. So, you know, Nehemiah 7 verse 5 talks about this, the way that God spoke to Nehemiah. is like God put it in my heart. You know, like, so it's like, that's how the Lord speaks to me. Like, I don't know where it comes from. You can't trace it from an audible place, but it's like, it just, you wake up and it's there. Um, so the one time I woke up, very last year or the year before, two years ago, I woke up and literally there was this thing that was like, you've been wearing other people's clothes for a decade. So I was like, that's so strange. Like, what is that? Obviously, I didn't, I didn't think of that myself, but I'm trying to figure out where it comes from. So then I stood in front of my wardrobe, you know, you've been wearing other people's clothes for a decade. So I'm looking at these clothes and I'm like, okay, why do I wear these clothes? And when did I start wearing these clothes? And how did I decide that these are the clothes I was going to wear? So I was sitting there having this moment, and it like lasted the whole year. And what God was doing is just talking to me about my identity and who I've decided I am and why I decided that. Um, so, I mean, it's difficult to explain, but I never used to dress the way I'm dressed now. Um, so I had to... <laughs> I was dressing in another way. And, yeah, and just the Lord taking me on that journey of, like, who are you and who, de who decided that that's, this is who you are? Um, and just the Lord talking about, this is who you've been, but this is who I'm calling you to be. And it's such a difficult journey because realizing that there's so many things that I've decided I am, and I wasn't willing to change, um, either because I grew up this way, or I've learned this, and I've, you know, and I, those were things that were not changeable, in my opinion, about who I was. And the Lord was like, you know, you're not going to dress like that. You're not going to look like that. Um, you're not, you know, and, and it was something so small to me because it's your clothes, you know what I mean? But it was such a huge identity statement that the Lord was doing through me. And that happens often where there's a thing that's there and you don't, you don't know where it comes from, but the Lord is, is just talking to you about change. Um, and so that was for me a very big visitation, if you can call it that, where the Lord was like, you know, this is not who you are. I've called you to be this, you know, and just agreeing with God and being at peace with who he's called you to be. So amazing. Thank you, Musa. Thank you. Lord, I want to pray for every person here. Thank you, Calvin and Musa, such great testimonies. I want to pray that, Lord God, if any of them are 
at a place where they are getting ready to give up the call you have on their lives, would you speak to them today? And would you give them the courage to say yes to what you're asking them to? Lord God, if there are any of them who are battling with their identity, who are living a false identity, something that was handed to them, Lord God, something that society has given them that is less than who they were meant to be, I just ask that today you would speak to them and set them free. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Awesome. So I want to talk about probably the greatest visitation of all time that is Recorded in the Bible, and this is, of course, when Mary was visited by the angel and was instructed or told about the fact that she was going to fall pregnant with the Messiah. A really profound moment in the Bible, and we are all here because that happened. This was, this was God starting the process of him being manifested amongst us, of him forsaking all of his glory so that he could walk hand in hand with you and me. So he could talk to us face to face. So he could, he could come and take the burdens from our shoulders. He could take the consequences of our misconduct. He could, take, he could take the effects of our bad thinking. And he could take it from us and he could say, he could almost unwrap, as Musa was talking, our true identities. That is not who I made you to be. Come. Give me all that. Come to me so that you might walk in the fullness of who you were meant to be. This was the, the very start of it. So we looked at Luke 1 last week. And we remember the angel came to Zechariah and told him that him and his wife were going to have a baby. And that baby was going to be John the Baptist, which was going to be Jesus' cousin. And now we carry on in Luke 1. And this is where the angel manifests to Mary, and it says there, in the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The, angels went, the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end." How will this be, Mary asked the angel. Good question. Since I am a virgin, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. Oh my word. I, can, you, can you imagine the shock that she must have been experiencing? It is likely that she was probably about 13 years old at this time. They, they got married very young in those days. And so she, she certainly would have not been over 16 years, years of age. And can you imagine a, a young girl having this experience having kept herself pure all her life, and there an angel comes and says, you're going to be pregnant. She's asking, how is this going to be? Haven't you seen how I've lived? And, and him saying that, no, the, the, 
the Spirit of God is going to overshadow you. Something that has never before been seen in history and her wrestling with this idea. Now comes the clincher. She hears this from an angel and she has to go to her fiancé and say, hey, guess what? I'm pregnant. You know what his question is going to be. I mean, you know what his question is going to be. This has never happened before in history. Even now that it has happened once, most likely any boyfriend is going to ask that same question. Who is the father? I know it's not me, so who is the father? If we can move on, I want to just read something from Matthew. So, so Joseph now is experiencing, he's been pulled into this incredible experience that she's had because the person that he is betrothed to now has had this experience with God and it has changed her forever. She will never be the same person from that moment forward. And so obviously he is asking some questions. Matthew 1 tells us from verse 18, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace. In other words, he didn't believe her. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home in his wife, as his wife. But he had no union with her until she, until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. You know, there's something about God visiting earth that changes everything. There's something about God visiting earth that shakes every paradigm, that deals with every preconception, that touches on every cultural thinking, that turns the world upside down. And these two, being entrusted with probably the greatest gift to mankind, are wrestling, wrestling with the the enormity of what has, has been given them. They quote, the scripture quotes Isaiah that a virgin shall conceive. There were, there were stories among, in the Jewish culture of a young woman giving birth to the Messiah. The, the prophecy was given when Israel was, was deeply in slavery. It, had been, it was the second time that Israel had gone into slavery and they were in Bab Babylon. They had been taken as exiles there. And Isaiah is prophesying to this broken people and he says, no, there is liberation coming. There is, there is a new dawn coming. There is peace, love, hope, delight, um, just all the good things that you'd imagine for your life returning to you. And this will be the sign that it is coming. A virgin shall conceive and give birth to one that you will call Emmanuel, who means God with us. So Israel had been waiting, had been waiting for Emmanuel 
God with us. Of course, I don't think they fully conceived in their minds what that would be and how it would shake their worlds. But here is the coming promise of the Messiah. I want to start by making this point, which I think is so important, is that Jesus brings the kingdom through people. You know, I don't know what Israel was expecting, but certainly they were expecting some violent overthrow of the government. They were expecting some way that they would be liberated militarily. And yet, God stepped down in the form of human flesh. And God stepped down and began to move in a way where, where he put his spirit in people around him and they began to carry the message to the ends of the earth. And instead of God just kind of invading and setting things right in a very authoritarian, here I am God, I'm going to make this happen and I'm going to I make it go my way. Instead, God stepped down and he began to persuade the hearts of men and women. He began to influence people to rightness and goodness. He began to change them from the inside out and as a result began to influence every part of the earth. I don't know. I don't know what you're going through, but I promise you this. God has promised you liberation from bondage. God has promised you liberation from pain, heartache, misery. He has promised heaven on earth. But here's the thing. It comes not through an angelic visitation. It comes through a visitation of his presence in you. It comes to a visitation of him invading your life and through you invading your environment. You know, I, I have faced many challenges in my life and often I have been on my, on my floor crying out to God, God, change everything, change everything. Make that bad person stop, whatever it was. It usually wasn't all that serious, but to me it felt deeply grievous. Um, just crying out to God for, to make a change, do something different. And mostly, instead of changing my circumstances, God changed me. God changed me. And here's a wild, wild truth that I hope you will get deep in your heart. Is that your circumstances tend to change in response to your change. Your circumstances tend to change in response to your change. Jesus brings the kingdom through people. Hmm. There we go. When the kingdom comes, here's what certainly Joseph and Mary would have experienced. The kingdom is disruptive. Somewhere around 13, 14, you started making plans for your life. Some of them were God plans and some of them were not God plans. But here's the thing about when the kingdom comes, it disrupts the non-God plans. Many times I've had to go, go to God and say, you know, I did not expect this. I did not expect it to go this way. Some of it has exceeded my expectation. It was like, oh my word, God, I had no idea that this much goodness was in store for me. But some of it has been very different from my expectations. 
And sometimes I've had to adjust my thinking about who I am, what I am, and what I'm supposed to be doing, how I'm meant to be relating to God. And here's something that I, I know that every Christian has to come to terms with, that the kingdom of God is coming. God is bringing his rule and reign on earth, and he is using people. But the way he uses people is he disrupts the ordinariness. He disrupts the complacency. He disrupts the idolatry. He takes you from a place where you are the center of your world to where he is the center of his world. So it's disruptive. So we make space for grace. Yeah, you've heard this uh, phrase, and I feel like it's so important for our year next year, but I think it's an important truth for us all the time is that, that if you fill your life with your plans and your plans only, then when God comes, it's going to be a huge, huge disruption. But if you, f if you make space in your, in your world for God's voice, when you make space in your world for God's leading, when you make space in your world for what God wants, wants to do, then there's peace as you move along with his presence. You know, I, I would love each and one, every one of you to look at the plans you have for yourself and ask yourself this question. God, is this what you are saying for me? God, is this what you are leading me to? Is this what you are saying for me? And I want you to ask it with this, this in mind, with this in mind, God, I'm willing to change if you say so. I'm willing to change if you say so. Romans 5, 17, for if by the trespass of one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? This is his plan for you, that you would reign in life. His plan for you is not mediocrity. His plan for you is reigning in life. And it comes as you allow him to disrupt, as you allow him to invade, as you, allow, as you say yes to his plans and purposes. What is happening? Ah, sorry, I didn't check my animations. But there you go, we're going to have to, we'll work with this. God brings the kingdom through people, and something we have to know about that, it's about God's purposes, not our purposes. Oh gosh, this is such a hard lesson. It's such a hard lesson. It's such a hard lesson, but such a good lesson. You know, when you are the center of your universe, it means that you have to maintain everything. It means that everything is up to you. When Jesus is the center of your universe, that's a whole new thing. It means it's his job to sustain everything. It's his job to move it forward. It's his job to lead. It's about God's purposes. Therefore, we put his kingdom first. Matthew 6, verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Everyone wants to be happy, and believe it or not, God wants you to be happy too. But here's the wild thing about happiness. If you make it your goal, you'll never achieve it. <laughs> when you make Jesus your goal, you will achieve happiness. Happiness is the only thing that when you go after directly, you never find it. Here's the beautiful thing about the kingdom is when you go after the kingdom, when you put the kingdom first, everything you always, 
desired comes to you. Things you didn't even know you needed and wanted come to you. The kingdom holds more blessing than you imagined. I've said this so many times, I'm going to say it again. If, if you are battling with not having your prayers answered, it's because you're asking too small. Really, I, I feel like one of the big problems we have as Christians is that we ask too small. That our view of what we're going for, our view of what we're going after is so much less than what God has for us. And that doesn't mean he wants to make you richer than you ask for. It doesn't mean he wants to give you a bigger car than you ask for. It doesn't mean he wants to give you a sexier partner than you ask for. It means that he wants to give you things that are so much bigger than that. Therefore, we have hope. How many of you have been going through a hard time lately? You can, I don't know if you want to open your, lift up your hands, but great. Thank you for your courage. I'm sure everyone had a little hand raised there. But, but life has challenges. Life has challenges. But if we, if we can understand that as I seek the kingdom and I put him first, as, as the kingdom is coming through, through me and I'm making sure that that is the main priority of my life, then God will bless me even more than I've asked for. That there is, there is so, so much goodness coming, I can have hope for the future. No matter what I'm experiencing now, I know this, that God will prevail. Romans 4 verse 18, Abraham says, Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations. Just as it has been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abraham, against all hope, in hope believed. What does that mean? It means when there was no reason to hope, he still hoped. Why? Because his hope was not in his own abilities. His hope was in a God who had made promises. His primary purpose was to serve the purposes of God. And he knew that if I do that, against all hope, something good is happen, going to happen. I don't always know what it is, but I can make you this promise, that something good is about to happen to you. Today, tomorrow, and the day after. Put him first, seek his kingdom first, and this is the prevailing mantra that you can use for your life. Something good is about to happen. Against all hope, in hope believed. Not only does the kingdom come through people, but Jesus gives meaning. You know, I think about Mary and Joseph, and for me, I just wonder how they faced the ridicule of their environment. It's not something you hide easily, being pregnant. You know, maybe the first three months, you can get away with it. After month four, pretty much it's obvious to everyone. Everyone knew they weren't married. Perhaps they were hearing the stories of an angel came. The Holy Spirit hovered over her. And she became pregnant. But you know what's going through their mind of these small town people. How many of you have lived in a small town? You know what I'm talking about. I mean, there are conversations happening all over the place. I don't know what you're facing. But I guarantee you everyone here is facing something. Some kind of a challenge some kind of a difficulty. 
My hope is that every one of you have, st have stood up at some stage and borne witness of Jesus in your life, have made a stand for Jesus. Therefore, the people around you know who you are, and they're watching your life, and they're looking at you, and oh my word, they're going through a challenge. This God that they profess, where is he now? Might be the questions going through their minds. And in that moment, you are going to have to stand. You are going to have to believe. You are going to have to press through and say, yes, my God will be here for me. But here's the thing is that in those moments, in those moments of difficulty and hardship, it's Jesus that gives meaning. I, I'm telling you, Mary was sitting there with the promises of her nation ringing through her, her head and saying, you know, although I'm going through this difficult time, I know what's coming. There is meaning in my suffering. There is meaning in my rejection. There is meaning in what I'm going through. This is not a waste. This is not something that is going to come to naught. There is a victory coming that will overshadow all of this and make it worth nothing in comparison to what is on the way. And this is the promise you have in Christ. That no matter what you're going through, the pain, the hardship, the rejection, the financial woes, Jesus in you, Christ with you, Emmanuel, God with us, gives it meaning, gives it purpose, means that out of the end of this, something good is coming and you will look at the, back at that and say, it was worth it. God does not create pain. God does not create misery and suffering. But here's the thing. He will not waste a second of it. He will not waste a second of it. Jesus gives meaning. Jesus gives meaning to pain, therefore we can have hope. Hebrews 6, 19, the first part says, we have this hope as an anchor of the soul, firm and secure. You know, there was, um, I'm just working out in my mind how much of this testimony to share. I have so many of them, but um, some time, time back, I was having a lot of conflict with a particular person. Um, in, in an environment. It's no one in this room, praise the Lord. So you can put that all out of your mind. But I was having a, a significant amount of conflict with, with a particular person and it was, it was extremely painful. It was extremely painful. And it involved a lot, of, it affected a lot of relationships and um, was a very, very, very difficult time for, for me. M many sleepless nights. God, how are we going to resolve this? What's going to happen? This affects so much of my life. And the beauty of me looking back at this time is that God resolved everything, every last bit of that conflict. As I've said before, he resolved a lot of the conflict by resolving issues in me and the other person. Just, just have to mention that. But, but when I look back at that time, God didn't cause that pain. But this is what I know that pain did for me, is that it pushed me to Jesus in ways that I hadn't been pushed before. And what I discovered when I got there, when I, when I found myself so close to Jesus, crying out to him, needing him with every breath I had, I discovered he's worth it. 
He's worth it. No matter what I was going through, it, it was worth it. Therefore, we can have hope for the future. We have this hope in our hearts that God will be there. And it secures us. It keeps us. It keeps us firm and steadfast. Jesus gives meaning to our work. Do you love your work? Do you love what you do? I hope you do. There are people here that can't answer with a resounding yes. Don't worry. It's coming. Because Jesus gives meaning to our work. I, um, I, I, don't want, I don't want to be very crass or base, but I'm telling you, when, when Mary was giving birth to a child as a virgin, that was painful. To all the, look, I can tell all the women who've had babies are nodding hard. All the men are going, gosh, I hope she's not going there. That's crazy. But here, here is what I want to say to you. Is that raising children is, is beautiful, lovely. But there are some painful moments. There are some hard things that have to be done. And Mary in facing of that, the work, Joseph in... In having, I mean, how do you bath a child who doesn't want to get wet and it can walk on water? How do you do that? You know, th those, are, those are tough things they faced. But, but amongst many other things, amongst many other things, they could work joyfully because it was more than just the work they were doing. It was the promises that were coming. It was the reason for the work. I want to speak to each and every one of you. Your labor matters. It's given meaning by the presence of God with you. It's given meaning by the promises that are to come. No matter how hard you've had to work, no matter how difficult it is or good or pleasant it is, whatever it is, it has meaning in Christ. Every, every ounce of sweat, toil, every ounce of mental energy that you're putting into your environment has meaning because God has a purpose for you and for your life and for what's coming. And everything counts. As he establishes his kingdom here on earth, what you do matters. So Jesus gives meaning to your work. Therefore, we can labor, labor joyfully. Ephesians 6, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men, because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he is slave or free. My apologies for these animations. Jesus gives meanings to the challenges we face. 1 John 5 verse 4 says, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. God, Jesus presence with you. God with you gives meaning to your challenges. Therefore, we can have faith. We can choose to believe. We can know that there, there is a place of overcoming that we have already inherited. This is what I want you to understand. You you, it's not that you are overcoming. It is that you have already overcome. In Christ Jesus, he has already gone before you and achieved the victory. That means we step into Christ. We hear his voice. We receive his power. We put our foot in his footsteps. And we walk through the challenges and there is victory on the other side. There is already a victory that has been won for you in everything. You must understand this. There is nothing that you will ever face that God has not already gone before you and faced and won. That is the beauty of the cross. He won in everything. 
that exam that you're about to write. He already wrote it and passed. What does that mean? All you have to do is take his hand, study with him, follow him, and do what he says. That job, that, that business that you're running that's not doing well, take his hand. He's been there already. Do what he says. Follow his voice. Be obedient to his principles and his ways. And you will see victory. Because God is with us. We can have faith. In conclusion, Jesus brings his kingdom through people and gives meaning to pain, challenges, and work. You can trust him. Amen. You can trust him.